Welcome to Unbreakable Spirit, stories of inspiring and thriving with Jennifer Seven, co-author of a book that is part of the Sisterhood Folios, a number one international bestseller. This is a podcast about real women who've overcome tremendous obstacles and come out on the other side to thrive. Whether their hardships were financial, relational, or health, these women dug deep and found the light out of the dark to rise from the ashes, to find the ability to forgive, to love, and to live an authentic, joyful life. Now, here is your host, Jennifer Seven. Welcome, Unbreakable Spirit listeners, to episode 26. Today, I am honored to have Kimberly Ann Bell on with us today. She is an inspirational speaker, a minister, a mentor, and author. She's the author of The Epitome of Kimmy, Accept and Embrace It All. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about her book and her story. Kimberly has two degrees. The first is in human growth and development psychology, and the second is in theology. And through her book and her talks, she shares her life story and her personal experiences to inspire others to never give up hope while raising awareness to societal issues. So welcome, Kimberly. I'm really super excited to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed and honored to be here with you. So thank you so much. Thank you, you for having me. So <laughs> welcome. And I know my Unbreakable Spirit listeners are going to be honored to hear your story. So Kimberly, let's go ahead and jump in and you can start sharing your story with us. As you were saying, an inspirational speaker, it's my passion to try to encourage and be very transparent of what I have to live through and live with and, and choose for me. Be the best person that I can be, just not for myself, but for my family and for the career choice that I've chose that once I applied myself and to choose me first, and then I was able to get give authors the best of me. So it's been a, it's been a journey to get to this place, but it's a process and it's work. And so I, I, I try to share that I apply what I what I talk about. I work every day and changing my mindset. And I came up with accept, embrace it all because um, I had to accept some things that I had to embrace that did not have to stay this, the way that it was. The broken foundation, the, the issues of abandonment and rejection, and, and just having the depression and anxiety that a lot of women have dealt with because of their not never finding their self-worth or their, their self-love for themselves. So Kimberly, can you go back in time and share with us some of the things that you've been through that created a lot of this anxiety and depression and feelings mm -hmm. of abandonment? Yeah, well, my abandonment and rejection issues come all the way from really the initial six years of my, of my life of being rejected by both of my parents and adopted and raised inside of my biological father family. Uh, it was my paternal aunt that raised me and her father, but it wasn't up until I was five. I stayed pretty much with my biological mother and father and my older sister up until I was five, but I dealt with up until I was five, witnessing verbal, physical abuse. And not only that, a, a disconnection that was very, very real in the eyes of a child from my biological mother. There was 
So always, she was she was yes, disconnected she from was you from birth up until I was five. So she was she didn't have that maternal loving. She, she, exactly. Yeah. Only awesome. to me. Yeah. But I, I lived through that and I've end up creating this way of, of, of coping with it, of, of feeling that there was something wrong with me. There was nothing that I could do, even as much as I tried to get validation, to get love, to get the emotional, to get the uh, physical, the attention from her. And, and this so, is all when you're very, very little. Very, very young. Yeah. And so from one traumatic to another of then being separated, not from only them, and told that they were come, you know, my father was going to come back and get me that that never happened, but was being separated from my sibling that I only knew, that I knew that protected me that played with me that had that sibling love. So, so only you were removed from home? only I Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That had to have been very. So like I said, it was from one trauma experience to another. And then from that uh, separation, it was uh, having to adjust and it wasn't even a week or a day that went by that I was uh, had to stay with a, a family that was was pleasant, but I knew that wasn't who I really wanted to stay with. And, and, that, and uh, that must have been very confusing for you as a child. Yes, because no one said nothing. It you was just like were moved out of the home, and none of yeah. your siblings. How many yeah. siblings did you have? It was at, the one at the time that I knew that had experienced the traumatic experience with me with that led up to the physical altercation between my my father and my mother it was just my sister and I in the car and it's I believe she might have been pregnant with another one at that time but I do know that the fact of it was that at that time it was the connection of my two-year-older sister and them that was separated that was a disconnection that um, I had to deal with that rejection or that abandonment and then they stayed together for a while and had other children and eventually they divorced, but I never was re- reunited with them. But it filled me with, as you were saying, a, a silent cry. Like, I, w- why should I say anything to anyone about how I feel or that I was you know, scared of the dark or that I had questions or whatever, because it seemed like it, my feelings or even my words did not matter. So it, it led to very much of seeking value, validations and acceptance in relationships that I got myself into that was very toxic, that was very unhealthy, because I, I did not identify or accept that this brokenness came from at a child, as a it, child. It came yeah. from inside yeah. you. Yeah, and inside of me. Yeah. Looking for others yes. to fill that up. Yeah. Or, and, and looking for others to protect me, to fight for me, to, to stay there. Yeah. To stay there regardless. Just don't abandon me. Don't leave me. So anybody will work as long as they stay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I imagine that that as you go into your teen years. Yes. That probably caused a lot of issues for you. Yeah. Was really looking for. And then to top it off, my first sexual intimacy came from uh, 12 years old with the extended family of my of my um, adoptive parents, who was allowed to stay in a home that groomed me, that, that, that poured that acceptance in me at 12 years old. I remember the first couple of things that he would say that just brought highlight to my 12 year old mind is that I love you, Kimmy. I love you. No one loves you like I do. So yeah, because I was searching for that. And that 
he would not, he really meant what he said. And it was very confusing what he was doing, but it was what he was saying. And he would say it a lot and make me believe that just as you are, I'm not going to go anywhere. I love you. And this is the attention that I'm going to give you. So yeah, that led another silence because even as confusing as it was, I never told my parents it happened right. for a year. You, yeah, you I couldn't want to say no exactly, exactly. Somebody loved <laughs> right. you. Yeah, exactly. And then someone that they allowed to come in there. Of, of I, I, I couldn't differentiate at that age. You really meant this to harm me because I, I, I didn't. I didn't have that. I knew that it wasn't what meant for to harm me, but I also had this confusion of that you allowed this. So of course you may have thought that this would be safe. This would be all right. <laughs> exactly. It's very confusing. And then it, it, it was a weave of religion that oh, poured no. into that too, yeah. because it was, I came from a very religious structured family that was older in a generation where what's going on at home stays in the home, but also they were that religious that even if he had a prior record, which he did, once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, they put that context in the Bible that you are a new creature. You're now, the old has passed away and now you're new. So he exemplified that when he went up to, got the invitation from my, my parents to come to church and change his life around. And when he did that whole invitation to Christ, we had a big dinner. It was a celebration. And that opened the doors for him to be allowed to stay there. So it was, like as you said, it was a mixture of confusion and also on top of that confusion of religion. How we're supposed to, as spiritual, as religious people are supposed to feel about one another and their, their sins or their illness is that once they accept salvation, that Gone. Everything is gone. Exactly. Yeah, gone. So clean slate for him. <laughs> right. Even though we know that people that do these things don't change. He had did time. He had prison time. time. Yeah, for molesting a, an infant. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. He had did time and it was. And everybody was, knew this. Yes. Well, the ones that were in my house knew it. And it was an extended uncle, an extended relative way down the line for that she helped raise. And she just, man's punishment is different from God's punishment. Okay. Yeah. And so he, he did man's punishment. He, I was just yes. going to say, yeah. he did man's punishment. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then it was up to God yes. at some point to yeah. do whatever yeah. other punishment there was. Forgive. Yeah. But he mm-hmm. cleaned slate. So mm-hmm. you, yeah. you, if you really believe that if your family was really believing that clean slate, then they yeah. were thinking you were safe. Yes. Yeah. Wow, how confusing. And of course, he was telling you, like you said, grooming you, telling you exactly it, it didn't what take, you needed it didn't to hear. Take, it didn't take no time before. I, like I said, after the dinner celebration, he, I, I was told he had nowhere to stay and we were going to let him to stay as long as he con- continued to have the relationship with God and do right to get it, get on his feet. So he how stayed, long, he, yeah, I was going to say, how long about did this almost go on? A year, about a year, about a year. And it took someone out of the world as <laughs> my mother would describe. He met a worldly person, a female, and they ended up getting a place together. Or she, he moved in with her. Or, I, I don't know how that but I do know that the talk was inside the home here. I'm still quiet. Is that women are usually the extended relatives 
family members such as his downfall. And he's allowed a worldly woman to, you know, take him out of church and he, he'll be leaving. And I went into depression. I was almost 13, but I, I went into even a more depression because the attention was gone. He abandoned me. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, did, you, did you feel like you loved him? Yeah. Yeah. And I so felt like a, he loved me. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was now once another abandonment oh. without my say. And he's moved on to another woman. And mm-hmm. is he out of the church now because he went to he, a worldly he, woman? He, pa- he passed away about maybe now probably 15 or 20 years ago of cancer. So he moves out of the home mm-hmm. and now you're 13. Mm-hmm. And how is your life going at this point? You're depressed. Uh, oh, super yeah. depressed. I'm super depressed. I'm super depressed. And I'm not saying a word about it, but I'm super depressed. And I'm just, and no one uh, knows that this no, has been going on. No one knows. I never told my, my adopted mom until I was grown with kids. My adopted dad never knew. Each time that I would try to even work up the way to tell him, I felt with him being my very own protector in a way that I did not want him to feel that he failed me. I didn't want to put that guilt on him because I knew my adopted dad. Yes. My biological parents never knew. I mean, they were in the same hometown, but they were out of my life. They just, they, they chose to... I imagine when you're at that age, there's also the confusion of is somehow was this my fault? Somehow yes. did I make this happen? Yes. Yeah. I wore a lot of guilt and shame of feeling responsible in some type of way. Yeah. It's like of, this dirty uh, little secret uh, yes. that you're stuck with. Even down from him to, mind you, I have never healed from feeling responsible for the love that my biological mom never gave me. Or that I never could be the best child that I could be to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And when if you're that young, that, that form of those very formative years, that leaves you pretty broken. That's what I had to accept. Yeah. And it took me years to come up with that, accept and embrace it all. And as I was writing, it came to me like an epiphany that I had broken foundations, layers of it from the initial of justice, of protection, of love, of intimacy, but I had to embrace it did not have to stay that way. And I had to live with, I don't have to live with anxiety and depression and guilt and shame and not be courageous enough to to know that this is what my life was like and it details sadness it details disappointments it details things that was absolutely wrong that I had no I was not responsible for I was gonna say that it was totally out of <laughs> out of your control, out of control right? totally out of your control but I had to get it isn't that something I had well, to get I, it I had yeah. to get it to feel the freeness and mind you I'm still staying everyone's staying in the same hometown and I use so many different coping, coping skills that I'd like to talk about because I know other listeners have been doing and coping the same way besides a never experiencing with drugs or alcohol, thank God. Not that I'm no higher than anybody. It's just that it did not come into a coping skill for me. But I dealt with running. I dealt with trying to find love in all the wrong places, just gravitating to anyone that would accept me or, or, or validate and say, you're a good person. I, I want you. Yes. Instead of finding. Well, that's what I, we I, all I, want. We yeah, exactly. Have. Instead of accepting, 
I've created as a good person. I don't need you to tell me that. I'm good. Okay. I got it. Yes. <laughs> right. You, you don't have to get it from someone else. Yes. You already have yes. that. But yeah. how would you, how did you find it? So you're, let's, let's go back a little bit. So right. he's gone. You're 13. Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of what happened then from there? So dealt with the depression, dealt with the silence. And I'm going through the hormones. I'm going through teenage adolescence or whatever. And I remember an older guy coming in our neighborhood, recognized me and a, another childhood friend. And one thing to led to another with the, the, the exchanging of the phone numbers. And because my family was so religious, we had names. I mean, they had nicknames that they called your rest and the, the private parts. They had uh, for, for years, she would say, how you get pregnant is by swallowing a black watermelon seed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 So you so, had no reality. No, in, no. In birth control or sex. No, or- it was forbidden, but I'm going through and, and mind you, they were unknown of the grooming and the intimacy that I've had. I, the only thing that this man had not done was penetrated me. Everything else had happened sexually. So I'm going through this hormone change and with this teenage years and everything. And I remember sneaking off, you know, being a little rebellious because I can't talk to, and I didn't have no sibling there. I was their only child. Oh, I was going to ask you. So yes. there's no other children. No other children. No, home. no. And I was very, it was very strict on the time and the time frame and who did I have as childhood friends and who educated me on the end. It was church, 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 and it was them. So I started being a little rebellious and yes, you know, to a, to a degree, because I wasn't, I was just out there, just curious and searching and seeking as a 15 year old until I got caught up with this older, older guy that I was talking about that lied about really his age at the time until I got pregnant. He said he was 18 and was in school, was graduating that year. But mind you, he was 19 and had graduated. But I got caught up by skipping class as many times and just riding off with him into his family's house until I couldn't think of another excuse and just had him break my virginity for the first time. I remember the very first time wondering when is the bumblebees going to start stinging as I was told that that's how that felt. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And how old were you at this point? 15. Did you even know, I mean, you said you were told watermelon seed. So Mm -hmm. did you have any clue about birth control or? I had clue about, like I said, my childhood friends would educate me a little bit, a little bit, more, but not enough to not deal with the ignorance. And of course, you're with a man who's older than you, that you're yeah, trusting, that exactly. he knows how to take care of exactly. you and protect you. Once again, yeah, like this was a, this was a copyright <laughs> of my uncle. Oh, okay. Yep. Because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We go from one to the next, trying yeah. to heal yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Until we figure out we have to do it ourselves. So you get pregnant. I get pregnant. First time. Oh. At 15. First time. She was born just before I turned 16. The first time. And how did the parents, the adoptive parents, handle this? Oh, well, as their generational era was. The best that they could. The best that she knew. And she clearly was um, letting me know she did not care whether it was 12, as she pointed out, 
But because I got myself in that situation that I was going to have the baby, they did not believe in abortions. Abortion is a clear sin and against the will of God. And that I am now a woman. At 15, 16? Yeah, she she made sure she clarified that also, that was going to be turning 16 soon on August 13th. And the baby came on the due date, which she did on July the 31st, that all my sweet 16 birthday and and those parties beyond now does not go to me because I'm I put myself in this situation. Oh, you have to skip all that. Oh yeah, for sure. It goes to the baby. Okay. Yeah. Goes to the baby. So you're losing your childhood. Absolutely. The now are you her. expected to be working and paying for things? I, I, I try to fit the shoes. As soon as I thought I had the baby, I, I went through so much at that talk and that was embedded in my spirit, in my brain, that the doctor literally had to sit on the side of the bed and say to me, as he put her in my arms, Kim, you can cry. It's okay. And I broke. I broke. Those nine months went so quick and my physical body changed and the mental, it was very overwhelming. That day that they put her in my arms changed my life forever. I tried to fit that role that my mother said from then on, because I put myself in that situation. I am a woman. Yeah. So I quit school at 11th grade. I came home that in the seventies, it wasn't, that wasn't good to be coming in school pregnant and, right. or going back with a, with a baby. That was, yeah, was very scandalous. That not, yeah, yes. yeah, that's not normal. Yeah. And so I lost friends and I knew I was talked about and I, I hear the silent cry again. I didn't go home and told, tell them what I was encountering and dealing with. And I couldn't deal with it. I just said, thought about what she said. What do women do? So I said, I go, I quit school and I work. I'll get a job. And, and she supported that. And she helped with the baby while you were working. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So your whole childhood is gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that raising, helping raise the kid and everything, I, I ended up searching again for this desire of attention in physical form. And I ended up leaving that relationship after I got pregnant again by, for the second child because it started to be a physical and verbal abusive relationship. That was my first hit was from my first. And then I was thinking, well, I seen this happen to my biological mom. Of course, maybe this is what they do. This is yeah, how you're treated. Normal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but you didn't marry him. You didn't no, I didn't marry him. him. No. And until the second child was was conceived, I had enough. And I had enough energy and enough willpower to say I'm, I'm, I'm done. And, and then it was exposed to cheating. So I remember going to my mom, breaking, trying to break the silence to get some type of clarification about the hurt of feeling cheated on. And I was told, because this is all she knew how to deal with the issue that I'm raised into her was that all men cheat. Only two, only men that don't cheat is the one that can't because of their incompetent, they can't due to their sexual desire and, or the ones that's dead. Wow. Wow. What a message. Not a good yeah. message. And that she knows it hurts, but I'll get it. I'll get through it. I'll get over it. And but so that was, course, that, no, that was no therapy for you. No, right? no therapy, yeah. no therapy, no therapy. Even when my educator had in my elementary school years suggested to them 
because once again, we're in the 70s and they, they don't they didn't dip in their business like they thank God for school systems now that really does assessments. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But back then they just fell out the paperwork and said, we have this child here. We want to enroll in school. <laughs> and so when I got tested and I, I was uh, had a intellectual disability, they had diagnosed it mild retardation and they said I would never read or write. I couldn't, if it's a total blockage, a shutdown. Wow. Yeah. But they, she suggested, I had an educator that was wonderful that I stayed with for six years that, um, seen something in me and she suggested, as uh, she suggested to them that I should be seen by someone else besides a medical provider. And they said, shut it down qu- quickly said prayer works, prayer changes things. And they believe in God and they have left that matter into his hands. She would not let me go. She stayed with me. I stayed with her for six years in resource and uh, she was an angel. So I, even with the educational piece, it was, it was difficult. I was introduced to some bullying back then that was, they knew that I wasn't, I was in another classroom and only came out for recess. So I was exactly yes. Name calling. Uh, And I, I would never tell my parents about it. The first thing I told, I went to my go-to was my, was the educator. And she helped me deal with that by letting me be her helper and letting me go out to recess when I wanted to, not that I was made to. So even with that, I had to accept that we can be misdiagnosed and that I didn't have to be defined by statistics. Because clearly that was not a correct diagnosis. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we can be misdiagnosed. And that it made me educate more and, and deal with the accepting of PTSD. That's a big difference from. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, <laughs> probably were so shut down yeah, because of all you've been mm-hmm. through. How mm-hmm. in the world could they test you accurately? Right. Because they don't know then, that, or they didn't know then what, what they know now. They know so much more now about all of these right. kind of traumas and how right. it affects you. Yeah. Okay. So 11th grade, <laughs> drop out of school. You've got a second child. Yep. Second child on the way. Met another guy that was in the military that really supported, was there until I had the, the second child and I introduced him to my mom and dad. And of course, here's this generational era when I was about to have her and we were getting closer together in a relationship. I said, well, I think we're going to find a place together. We're going to move in. Well, you know, that was, that was, that was a no go. That was a no go. That was a no go. You you do not shack. If you're good enough to live with a man, regardless of what Yeah, you'll marry him. So I was signed to marry him. That didn't even last a year. So you did get married. Yeah. Just to get out of the house. Okay. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it didn't last a year. And he was a very nice guy, but we were just not ready. We were young. So that was the first encounter of, of trying to get some of this, this void field of, and I remember how I felt so worthy of his action of, I was having trouble with my ex at that time of the two girls and his significant other at that time of harassment and everything like that. And I remember him just jumping to my defense and how empowered I felt that someone had thought that loved me enough to, to, you know, to fight for me. And it was, it was, it was trying because I always tried to, to catch that in another person. And once I got disappointed in the slightest way that this person wouldn't protect me, or I felt that I was protected, it would just shut me down because I wasn't giving myself time to heal 
and understand that I haven't have that ability to protect myself, to find that self-love and that self-worth that I don't have to take anything, that I can stand up for myself, that I can speak out for myself, that I, I can choose what type of treatment I want in my life. Yeah. So tell us, Kimberly, how did you start to figure it all out? How did I had you- to keep going through. <laughs> I had to keep going through unhealthy and toxic relationships. So I said it was enough. It was enough. It was enough. And I, and 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 sadly, it got to um not too long ago that I just speak very honestly and transparent that I had to go beyond. No more am I going to be in a abusive relationship. Is that I was going to have to change me. I would have to accept and change my mindset and love me and focus on that. And you said you had an epiphany. What happened to cause that epiphany? Or were you just sitting in your couch and suddenly you're like, wait a minute, I'm not doing this anymore. Or how how did it come about? Well, the release of the book resonated because I was in an unhealthy relationship at the release of the book. And so at the release of the book, getting that last chapter out and that accept and embrace it all, God had allowed me to live it. And that, t- that unhealthy relationship went to a crazy spiral to help me with that epitome that you're talking about, that it was one of the worst breakups that I had in my life. And here I'm almost 50 and I'm like, okay, all right. This got to get beyond of stopping to never return again. The pattern, the cycle has to stop and it has to stop with me. I can't expect no one else to do it. I can't expect to, to, to have the, the court system accountable for it, him responsible for it, but it has to start with me. I have to now get it in my spirit, change my mindset, rely on God to change me to accept whatever I have to set, to build whatever was broken, but start it with me and do the work. Okay, but let's go back for a second because I can't believe you're 50. Listeners, if you can see her, she does not look 50. So when did, when did you start your book? And I'm sure writing this book was part of your healing process. It was, it was, it was. And I had a mental therapist and throughout my journey, I had to seek even beyond the generational area and what wasn't supported, I had to choose to do it. I sought out mental health therapists. Throughout. About what age did you start? The first one was my second marriage. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was in my, like in my late twenties. Okay, good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're, you're starting to realize that there mm-hmm. are resources you can yes. get some help. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I went all so the way that's back. That's when it's beginning. That's yes, really when yes, it yes. And I went all the way back and I remember her pointing out and she was the first one that broke me down with a cry that I would never forget when she said, she did not look like me. This is another angel besides the educator. But she said, and she was the first one that ever said this to me. I would never forget this sentence. She said, I am sorry. Oh. First person to say that to you? Yes. I am sorry this has happened to you. And you had to experience what you did from the time you were born until now. First time you were seen and heard. Yep. And it broke me. I'm in my late 20s. It broke me. I just cried like a baby. Yeah. Because it was the first time I felt I mattered. 
I matter. I guess that's you're right. That was the epitome. That was the start. That was the start. And thank God that I had the sense to reach out and had that ability to be able to obtain that the mental health therapist at that time to put that in my life at the time that I needed it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And again, I want to say that to all of our <laughs> listeners. If you need therapy, get therapy. Yes. There are free resources out there. There's community resources. I know sometimes it can be very expensive, mm-hmm. but I do believe there are free resources. I, I do don't so. know. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't be afraid to get help. Just, yes. Yes. I wouldn't be mentally on that wellness path <laughs> of wholeness without it. Period. I can't say any more about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here without their, their, their resource. So getting in with the book, I had mental health therapist sessions, about three of them when I was writing the book and this happened during COVID. And I remember, and I won't get rid of it. I, I had someone was saying in one of the meetings that was in about putting down a bucket list. And if you're a learner, as far as visual, that's how you learn to write it and put it on a poster so you can see it. So I still have it up in my office where in 2015, I started this bucket list and I had like seven things. And one of them was to complete my memoir in 2017. And actually it happened, it finished in 2021. But the thing of it is I had it visual, I had it written down. And I remember as we got sat down for COVID, it was like, now you have time to write exactly it was very resounding like it hit me hard like if you don't do this now it will never be another chance like this is now or never type of thing and I was like what am I gonna do with the book I'm I'm here trying to fight back and forth with it and I start writing it down on paper says share your truth go from the beginning it's nothing going to encounter until you go from the beginning and to share your truth of your upbringing what you had, what you experienced, what you experienced. And, and as I said, each chapter brought out, accept and embrace it. Yes. Recognize it. Yeah. What it was. Yep. And yep. the fact that you were the victim. Yeah. So much of this, you didn't do it to yourself. It was done to you. Yeah. Yep. Accept and embrace it. Yeah, because we can't change the past. No, no. So I think it was very powerful that you're like that acceptance piece. Yeah. Because we can't, we dwell so much in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. Like, no, we are only right here and now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't change it, and we we really can't predict the future either. So we just right. have to be in right. the moment. But so I'm sure this was a very healing thing for you. I know that Unbreakable Spirit came out of this co-authored book, Unbreakable mm-hmm. Spirit, where mm-hmm. all these women got together and shared their stories. And mm-hmm. I think we all did it just because it helped us heal. We had to tell our stories. We had to get it out there. Right. But also to help others mm-hmm. to know that everyone has a story. How do you get through that right. story? Right. So for you, Kimberly, when when did you get these two degrees that you have? Hey, well, I had to I had to go back to school and I was I I remember going through the the physical abuse marriage. He was eleven years older than me. Is that the that second, second one? Yes, second yes, one. The, yeah, the second one. And one exploitation that he attacked me on was the finances. I remember feeling so broken. I hadn't got there yet with the physical because I kind of kept trying to justify and dealing with the honeymoon 
periods and dealing with the gifts that would come after that and then the sorries and the cries and stuff like that but okay, when so that, what you're saying is that cycle yes yes hurt yes yeah I wasn't yeah I wasn't ready to disconnect that exactly but what I hit on point was when he took the the card one time the the credit card or whatever the, the and left me with not any money yeah. that hit me to be like okay I'm really going to do something about this because and I'm not going to let myself be exactly right yes without having my girls or my kids seeing that I can't support them financially so that's what took that drive to go to go back to school because I knew initially I could not get a good job yes I could not get a good job without an education I knew that was something that I had to start from the bottom and the correct and get right was getting that high school diploma so that's how really my educational degrees were pivoted off of was that that encounter with that financial that expectation. That moment. Yeah, that, yeah, that moment. The yeah. finding moment where you're like, this is not going to happen to me again. Yeah. And yeah. how old were you then, Kimberly? I was in my early 20s. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you start back to school, which is not an easy thing to do when you no. have small children. And were you no, working? I you? had four. I had oh, four, four by the time. at that point. I had, okay. I had four by the time I was 25 years old. And I went into an external external high school diploma program that was offered in our hometown to get my diploma, the same diploma that I would give at graduation. Mm-hmm. Okay. But were you working at this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working, yeah. raising mm-hmm. four children yeah. and working on your diploma. That's yeah. quite a lot. Right. So then you get your diploma, then you could go on to higher Uh education. Exactly. And that was the kicker. I had to deal with procrastination. I had to deal with a spirit of not completing. Thank God I had a hard teacher that said to me and that seen it, seen me starting to procrastinate and and not really wanting to complete because I'm I'm fearful of the unknown. And I remember coming in there because I was skipping, was not skipping, but just lagging, not coming and being and dealing with the attendance like I should. And I remember just, and, and, and I wasn't goofing off. I wasn't clumping or anything. It was just that I was just not being focused, not just being laid back and just getting that spirit of if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. The, and I came in there one day just bop, bopping around here. I'm young. And, and she said, um, you can leave. She said, you can go back home. And I said, why? And she said, because you're not going to waste my time and I'm not going to waste your time. Kim, either you want it or you don't. And I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> How did she talked to me like this. Right. I wasn't raised disrespectful or nothing, but I went in the car and I cried all the way home. And I said, how dare her? I don't understand what she's talking about. Da, da, da. But then until I got myself together, I said, now look, and like you said, it wasn't clear to me at that time. I got to be honest. It wasn't about what they were seeing that was going on physically, but where my mind was at that time was the target that they would never see me not being able to provide. Wouldn't be self-sufficient money-wise for them your, or me. Your children. My children. Exactly. Wasn't there about them seeing him put, dragging me down the stairs with my, with my hair or anything like that. Where I was talking at, where my mind was that I, whatever happens, I would have money. I would have the source. I would have a job. I have a source to be able to take care of myself and them. And okay, so you start to solve this financial piece. And then when did the epiphany oh, come about so, the abuse? So I graduated. I like okay. I, I graduated from the to program program. And after she had that talk with me, I ended up being five of the candidates that they asked to, to speak about the program. I said, Lord Jesus, here, here we go. <laughs> 
who would have known? Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I've been doing a little speech about, you know, I seem like I'm always throwing up. That's another thing that inspired me to just to fulfill my purpose because I seemed like I was always thrown, no matter what situation I was after the outcome, to be thrown to talk about it, to speak about it. After the, this overwhelming feeling of completion, once I got that degree and I felt so good of the accomplishment. And as you said, and seeing all four of my children there, stair steps, they were all there. And even the, my husband was there too. He was supportive of that one, that I could really get a degree. I could really. How proud. Exactly, exactly. So it just went from one area of my life to saying, my goal was to get an educational career goal accomplished and achieved before I was 50 and be done. I never wanted to be a doctor, but I wanted the degrees that I got now. So it was, yeah, that first accomplishment of getting that high school diploma paved the way. Yeah. What an example for your children. And you're breaking a generational curse. Yes. Yes, exactly. So you are a minister. Yes. Yeah, I'm not caught up with titles because even though I've uh, did conference studies and AME Zion, and I, I feel like we all are ministers in our own way when we inspire and when we tell someone our truth and when we courageously try to uplift people. So I, I find myself holding on to that title because I truly live it and feel like I minister to people every day. I work in the public sector where I have cases, I serve families, serve individuals that if I can say anything to encourage them or to help bring hope or some inspiration or give a word of of wisdom, then I'm doing my purpose-filled life of ministering. And I believe we all have as women that inside of us. So yeah, but I have that background where I was in conference studies at AME Zion Church where I was on a ministerial staff. And that was enlightening because there, I've noticed sometimes in church and in and, and different denomination that transparency and are, are kind of limited. Like they want you to talk about certain things, but not so much. Where I was just using an example, like when I was going through the physical abuse with my husband, I told the elders, I was not shameful of not telling the headship. And nothing was done. If anything was said, it was pretty much of hang in there. It was more so if you get a divorce because of that reason, you're going to be the one that's looked bad upon from leaving the marriage. No one's going to believe you as a woman or you're going to be able to witness to a woman because you you left your husband. Oh boy, that's so <laughs> not good. So your, your journey through your book was, has really been healing for you. The yes. And liberation. Kimmy, yes. Liberation. Yes. I like that word too. <laughs> the of Kimmy, accept and embrace it all. It's the story of your life mm-hmm. and you learning to accept and embrace yourself. Yes. And I'm sure you still have probably, probably plenty of healing to do because we all do. Yeah. We all do. And it's, I think it's a journey. It's it is. Journey. It's, and it's a process and it's a choice that I want and I choose to have no matter what, no matter how many, I'm, I'm, I'm a mother of four adult children now, one minor, and I choose a life of wellness and it takes work. It takes work. Yes. Yes. Even if it's one step at a time, it takes, yeah. 
it takes work. work. And for you, it was. If we go back and one step at a time, you decided to get that GED was a big step. You decided to go to therapy. Those yeah. are all steps along yeah. the way. So Kimberly, if someone wants to reach out to you, if someone wants to connect with you, mm-hmm. what's can they and how would they do that? Sure. I'm, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Kimberly, Kimberly and Bell, Facebook and uh, Kimberly Bell is on Instagram. And I have a beautiful website and it's Kimberly Ann with the E, Bell, W-W, Kimberly Ann, B, uh, Ann Bell, B-E-L-L, all one word. You'll be able to see my family. You'll see the book. This called The Epitome of Kimmy. I got the, I, I, I love music. I have an Amazon music list. I, I think I got like four of them in different, in different categories and this title. And so that's one of my coping skills that I, I embrace about me that I use and, and my connection every day starts with the relationship and the communication that I have with God to give me the wisdom and give me the discernment and give me the strength to go through this journey and the season of my life as being a single parent and, and embracing what can come to me, which is holding on to the intimacy that was created to be beautiful that I can, I can experience that, not confused, not feeling obligated, but beautiful and, and to be loved and have that reciprocated love. So I, I communicate him with him daily to, to embrace that, that that can happen in all types of relationships. I and mean, I can acknowledge it. I can acknowledge the reciprocated love. Because yeah. before, before I, yeah, oh. before, no, I was the one to give, 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 not yeah. feeling like I was worth being poured back in. And right. if I was worth, if I felt that I was worth being poured in, I took whatever. You took whatever. I'm going to put that in the show notes so that you can find Kimberly's Facebook and Instagram and mm-hmm. her website. I have the, on that website, I have eight downloads, affirmations. Oh, that, good. Yeah. So that they can get them free. Yeah. And, and affirmations are a wonderful place to start. It's yes. Just yeah. listening to positive messages. Yeah. We know we all need that. There's yes. so much negative in the world. Kimberly, if you had to leave our listeners with one <laughs> message, you've probably been asked this before. <laughs> what would you like to leave our listeners? Learn to accept and embrace it all. Choose yourself. If you have never, you have the ability to. And my God, you're worth it. You are worth it. I love that. <laughs> yes. Unbreakable spirit listeners, you are worth it. <laughs> you're worth it. it. Absolutely. Kimberly, thank you so much for sharing all of this. No, your thank stories. you for having wow. me. I appreciate you. Thank you. You are an inspiration. And I'm so proud of you for thank all you. that you've accomplished. And I <laughs> thank you. And I have to get your book and read it because I'm, yes, I'm please sure there's do. so much more yes, there yes, that we've had time yes. to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I imagine you can get it on Amazon. Yes, 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 ma'am. Okay. Amazon and, and Goodreads. Yes, yes. Okay. Good. And what I, I found the e the ebook is much quite shorter. It's not a it's not a long book at all. But I I just encourage anyone that's listening. It, it's it's really worth. It's it's my life, and I and I'm just so glad to share it. I went through it the journey, and I, and as you'll see, that little girl, I just love on her. Yeah. She she made it. She survived. She made it. She oh. made it. She made it. Yes. yes and we, she made it. We all have that little girl inside of us, but I just want the listeners to know, I look at that little girl on that book and I look at it differently than I looked at her three years ago, four years ago. I'm so proud of her. She made it. That's beautiful. You're having tears to my eyes. <laughs> she made it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And no problem. We're going to both be crying every I know. Talking. I know. <laughs> You are indestructible. 
You are unbreakable. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Again, thank you for sharing. Thank you, love. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at sevencompany.com. That's the number seven, company.com. And please join us for our next episode where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive.